All right, welcome to the Avni Interviews, where your hosts Eric Bork and Mikey Taylor. What up? We're the co-founders, co-founders of Avni, a brand for entrepreneurs and influencers. Here on the Avni Interviews, we interview people doing the work they want in the lifestyle they love. And today we have with us a CrossFit business owner who went from prison to owning his own business, and he has some pretty amazing stories for you here. So. Let's jump right in. Greg Mountain, thanks for being with us. Absolutely. And I, I'm going to start this off. And the, we, we always do pre-interviews. And I pre-interviewed Greg. And I said, where are you from? And he said, Redlands. So Greg's <laughs> from the IE. Yeah. So I'm quickly going to cue this up with my first. I lived in the IE for a year. And I will never forget the first experience I had driving into the IE. <laughs> just so people can kind of understand the IE if they don't already know what the IE in California is. I was driving on the freeway in like the second lane and in the fast lane, this, the old school slug bugs drives by and there's this dude tatted up with like four teeth outside of the passenger seat and they're driving down the freeway and just swerving and punching cars. Wow. The IE is, they don't play there. <laughs> no. I mean, growing up, it was, it was always something you strive to move out of. <laughs> but the funny thing is it's such a like you go to redlands and it's such a beautiful place you know there's the it, it's just like a nice downtown area redlands is yeah yeah parts oh. of Red, it's there's it's nice there's oh. super nice parts of it but then you go to san bernardino which i don't know the stats in the recent years but at one point was the murder capita of california i don't know it maybe even statistically around the nation but um there's tough parts were you with me when the tires got stabbed up going snowboarding no Oh, dude, that was my experience. I'm like 23 years old, right? We go yeah. snowboarding at Big Bear. We're rolling up. There's like five of us in a, in the Chevy Cavalier, right? And we go get gas. I walk in. We walk in, pay for it, get snacks. I come out. Our tires are flat. For whatever reason, the yeah. guys in front of us just decided to stab our tires out. Yeah. For no reason. Right. Yeah, IE, man. There's some good skate spots, but I, I've never liked it. Sorry it's, for anyone that I eat. It's, it's just, there's like, it can be tough. So, Greg, let's jump into your story. Tell us tell And us it starts about, rough. It starts, it starts rough. rough. It starts rough. <laughs> so, you're 19 years old. What, ha what happens? 19 years old, I was um, living in the dorm at Cal State San Bernardino, and I was a fuck-up, and I didn't go to class. And got kicked out of college because, you know, and parents didn't want to take me back in. So I'm strung out, you know, crystal meth, coke, weed, drugs, whatever you, whatever you had, I wanted it. And I was snowboarding, like you guys were saying. I was snowboarding at Mountain High. I was snowboarding at Big Bear. Did you stab my tires? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, dude. <laughs> oh, you amend. Um, and I had gotten arrested and I went to jail for like, two weeks right and i was like oh this is crazy right what did you get arrested for grand theft i oh, okay. stole some money from someone i was living with like oh. i was a real piece of shit um and when i was in jail i heard these dudes talking about a bank robbery and how if you slip a note to a teller like by law they're not gonna fight back they're just gonna give you the money and collect the insurance and whatever so i was living with a friend and i was like down to like my last friend because i was such a jerk and i was like hey i think i'm gonna rob a bank and he's like, yeah, let's do it. Right. <laughs> and okay. I'm 19 and he's 27. And this guy was kind of a, he was a slugger. Like he did some, uh, bodyguarding for a mob 
And uh, he was a cool dude. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So I, I walk into a Bank of America on a Tuesday morning. You were with him. I was with him. He was outside. And I okay. said, stay outside because if like the security security guard comes after me, you I know you got my back. And he's like, no problem. So masks I, on? No mask. Okay. No nothing. I'm walking oh, in no. just with a long sleeve shirt on and a note I hand wrote in my pocket. And I wait in line and I walk up there and I was like, I have no other reason to be here but to do this. And I just slip him the note. The lady's like, oh my, gives me some money. I put it in my pocket. I walk outside and I was like, oh shit, I did it. And I see my buddy across the street and I'm like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be helping me. You're way over there. And then I hear, stop that guy. And I look and there's a security guard running after me. But he was kind of overweight and out of shape and he wasn't ready to catch me and I got away. So jumped I, in your buddy's car. No, no, no. We walked there. Oh, no so, way. Okay. So I ran back to the place I was staying at and I hid out for a while and his girlfriend went outside and was like, dude, there's like cops walking up and down the street with dogs, with guns out. The same day, same day, like an hour later. And she's like, stay in the bathroom. Just stay there. So the next day I get on a bus and I go to, um, another, uh, I gotta stop you. I'm so curious. How much money did you get? I didn't get a lot. <laughs> I got like 1300 bucks. Okay, okay. It's kind of pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just forged a check or something. Anyway. So I go to the casino, the Indian casinos out there. Right. So I go to San Manuel Indian bingo and casino. Cause I was so bright that I thought they were going to like look for the money trail. So I put all the money in a machine and I pop it out and then I start gambling, you know, and I get a hotel room and I get some drugs and within a week I'm out of money and I'm like, I'm going to do it again. And me and him are hanging out at the house one day. And I remember I was sitting in a pair of basketball shorts, drinking some Belvedere vodka and some cranberry juice, watching Kings of comedy. And we had some steaks thawing on the oven and he goes over in the kitchen and he goes, Hey Greg, there's cops outside with guns. And they're like, get down, get down, get down. And then they open the door and they say, Greg, come out. They knew my name. And so I was like, should I run out the back door? And I was just tired. And I just went over there. They put me down and they were detectives in like suits. And they had like a gun yeah. on the side type thing. And he shows me a picture of me inside the bank. And I honestly forgot that I did it. And I was like, oh, shit. I don't know who that is. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm arrested. I'm in the cop car with my buddy, George. And because he did it with me, right? Yeah. So we're arrested and they put me in a holding cell and then they eventually transferred me to jail. But they had questioned me like, they're like, we're really good at our job. Like you're caught. Yeah. You know, do you want to say anything? Do you want to admit to it? And I'm like, I don't know what to do, dude. He's like, just plea bargain out. You'll probably do about a year if you've never been so, in trouble. Before. So let's talk about that a little. Um, so I want to I want to get into like the the systems and the rules of prison, and we're going to get to your business. But before we do, to, so you got offered. So you had something on your record before, right? Yeah. So the, when the I had stole that theft. money from from that lady, they gave me a grand theft. Uh -huh. okay? But you didn't go to jail. I went to jail, and when you say you get arrested today, you don't actually go to court for that for like a month. Okay. Okay. And so you have two options. One, if you have family, they'll bail you out. Mm -hmm. That's like a bail bondsman, right? They'll bail you out, which means you get to be outside when you go to court, you show up to court Okay. or they keep you in jail because you don't bail out until you go to court. I didn't have anybody, but because it was so overcrowded when I did the grand theft, ah. they were just like, just get out. 
and you're called OR, own recognizance, which That's means okay. this is hanging over your head. So if you get arrested again, they're going to see that you're out on OR and you're causing trouble again. And they're so going to they basically slam. let you out on OR and say, don't mess up. And I robbed a bank. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're, so, okay. Keep going. So with the bank, what type of plea deal you said, a plea deal, what did they give a you? Plea bargain. Um, about a month into jail. So then I was in jail for a long time. They weren't letting me out this time on OR. Right. Uh-huh. And I show up to court and the public defender goes, okay, they're going to offer you um, two years for the grand theft. And I'm like, okay. Then they're going to offer you two years and a strike for the robbery. And I'm like, all right. And he goes, but they're going to run it concurrently. So you're going to do your time at the same time. You're basically going to get two years and a strike for robbing a bank. I would belly flop on this thing. Like that's a good deal. Like that's a good deal, dude. Bank robbers go like 20 years. Like, you know what I mean? Like you belly flop on this Yeah. because I could say, no, rub that in your chest and you know, I'll Uh see you in court, Uh you know? And then they come back, okay, we're offering you eight years. Yeah. You know? So that's typically what happens. Or you could say, rub it in your chest. They come back and they say, okay, we'll give you six months, you know? But I was at the right when I got arrested, I was like, I got to change my life, you know? I got to, you and know, is that where you kind of started feeling like you were going to change it, flip it around right when you got arrested or when did that happen? Even if like it's- my whole life, I knew that I was like a good dude. Like I knew that I had it in me. Like, you know, there's always a smart kid. I somehow got into college, even though I was, you know, screwing up and ditching school. I just needed like a foundation or a platform or a break from the monkey yeah. on my back. I couldn't stop like getting high. I couldn't stop stealing. I couldn't stop making mistakes. And so when I got arrested, I was like, I could breathe. I could get sober. I could grow up. I could, you know, and I would write letters to my family and they had kind of written me off. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I knew that this time was what I needed so I could get out and I could make something of myself, you know, you know, and I, from like day one being locked up, you know, and I, for whatever reason, this could be like super naive, but is that rare? Well, do most they, people go to prison or and and have this like okay I'm gonna change or do most people no just I think like, most okay, people yeah. when you're locked up you you'll pray to God like a foxhole they call it they use God as a foxhole like get me out of this one yeah you know um, I think most people that are locked up and behind bars will you know say I'm never doing this again but where does the rubber meet the road yeah right yeah, yeah. that's the hard part I think the the statistic is like 80% go back. Yeah, and that's out of control. So tell us a little bit about the culture in, you were in three different facilities, no, um, including the, the last one. So well, there's us, a big difference between jail. Totally. So tell us about your first stop. Jail is where everyone goes. You know, DUI, um, bank robbery, um, theft, stealing a car. You go to jail until you fight your case. Right. Okay. Once you fight your case and you figure out what your sentence is going to be, you kind of, everyone goes their separate ways. So you show up and right then and there, you're put into the political system of incarceration, which is I'm a white boy from IE, whether I like it or not, it's just the color of my skin. Right. And I'm not a racist dude, but that's how it's ran. Right. So you're either white, you're black, you're Mexican or you're other. Right. And other kind of run with the black. And that's just the way it is. Right. And it's actually there for your protection. Yeah. It's a good thing. And I'll tell you a story. I was up one night playing cards with my friend. He was 19 too. And he was from Mentone. And we're playing cards and we're talking about girls and da 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 da. And we're laughing. And the next day, the uh, 
the leader of the whites, the shot caller comes up to me and he goes, Hey, you woke up a bunch of black dudes and they want to fuck you up. But what we're going to do is we're going to take you in the corner and we're going to fuck you up. The white guys. So that way they don't fucking murder you. And I'm like, what? He's like, I'm not fucking kidding. Go over there. <laughs> so what did that look like? So I go over there and there's this dude, Larry, and Larry starts lumping me up like, dum, 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 dum. and I'm like, fuck, how long does this last? He's like, you're almost done. And then like I was done we shook hands and that was it. But it saved me. Right. So the political system worked in that sense, you know, and I got, they called it getting checked and I got checked probably three, four times within my first month for stupid stuff. Like yeah. I was talking during count time, like count time is real, like sit on your bunk and the cops come around, they count to make mm -hmm. sure no one fucking escapes, I guess. And I was talking. So the cops like mountain for talking, we're going to turn off the TV for an hour. But it wasn't my racist TV day because every day is a different TV day, like black, white, Mexican, and they get to choose what's on the TV. So because the blacks lost out on some TV time, there we go. Oh, they were Larry's pissed. checking me in the corner no again. Way. <laughs> okay. Damn. And um, then it's for your protection. So if there's a riot, like usually it's one-on-ones with your own race. That's what you see mostly. It's a one-on-one -on -one with your own race and you, you shake hands when you're done and it's over, right? It, it gets serious if there's a black guy and a Mexican guy start fighting because the Mexicans will jump in, then the blacks will jump in, and then you have a, a riot. And, mm. and that's where things get kind of crazy. And I saw that a handful of times and it, it's kind of nuts, you know? Were you scared in there? Fuck yeah. Yeah, no I, way around I, it. I, I was 19, I mean... No way around it, right? You you either you just gotta play the, the game the entire time. Even when you have like friends, you have like these people covering your back. So I feel like you as you Larry, go along in the story, it, sorry. As you go along in the story, you started to kind of like feel a little more comfortable. But the part Here, I found interesting, real quick, was it. Let's say that there's a brawl between like the whites and the Mexicans. Mm -hmm. Um. What did you, like when it starts, you can't just sit there. Tell us about that. Yeah, you can't sit there. So what ends up happening is like, let's just say, and it, th this will make sense. So like you get comfortable, right? And you're kind of, you play cards, you work out, you eat, you, you shoot the shit. And then one day you feel the tension, you know, tension in a room, yeah, like nothing you've ever felt. It's almost like humidity. And you're like, oh shit, something's going to happen. And you could just see it on everyone's faces and you Crazy. could feel it in the fucking room. Something's going to happen. I don't forget where you are. You know what I mean? And it pops off. Boom. And everyone starts fighting. And if you sit back on your rack and just watch, when they're done fighting, your own people will fight you and be like, thanks for helping, punk. Boom, 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 boom. Right? So you just kind of have to get involved, but then how involved do you, you want to get? You can't just sit there and or like go hide in a corner. No. Because then you're, you're basically no. the wood. What, is that what it is? White the woods, guys, yeah. The, the, woods. the whites are called the woods. Well, basically then say you didn't back us up. So, yeah. Either they could do one of two things. They could either, you know, beat you up right then and there. Or worse, they might say, roll it up and tell the cop you got to go to protective custody. You know, you're, you're no longer one of us. Get out of here. That's bad. That's bad. Protective where custody. Do you go? Protective custody, that's where you go with all the child molesters and, and the other rats. Uh, and you don't want to go there. Wow. Crazy. So I'm 19, and I started you know, reading the Bible, and I started reading anything I could that was self-help. And I started uh, working out, like doing push-ups, and I was doing- like, Oh, yeah. Were you built back then? What no, was your, your I, was little skinny skinny, kid? I was a skinny kid. I was like, think of a water polo player that's 5'6". Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I was not tough. I was not cool. Yeah. And- um. I just started doing push-ups, and it was like at first I'm like when I get out I'm gonna get the best chicks you know yeah. what I mean and uh 
I just started doing push-ups and sit-ups with no rhyme or reason. And I would just do copious amounts of ubiquitous push-ups. Like just, I'm going to do 500 push-ups today. And I'm going to do a thousand sit-ups. And I'm going to do handstand push-ups against this wall. And people saw me like a puppy. They're like, there's the youngster just, you know, doing a stupid thing over there, you know? <laughs> and I didn't know anything about working out, you know, like I did now. If I knew what I knew now, I would have much uh, more efficient workouts. Yeah. Let's just say that. And so, but was it working though? Were you getting stronger? Yeah, I felt like I was like, you ever do like 50 push ups and you feel the pump? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. I started feeling the pump. Um, there's no mirrors in there. You know what I mean? So I had no clue, you know, how jacked you really were. (laughs) How jacked was I? And like some of the older dudes, I would like show my arms, like how big my arms are. They're like probably like 12s. Like, shut up. Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so walk us through the, I want to not forget about this. So you first, you go to reception. Was it reception? Yeah. And then where'd you go from reception until you ended up in Jamestown, right? Yeah. So, um, from jail, you, they call it a bus ticket. So one day they'll wake you up and they put you on a bus and, and you gotta, you go into the big house and there's a long bus ride. Cause the bus travels very slow and you're shackled up with three people on a two ass seat. So it's literally for two asses. There's three people sitting on it and it's like nine hours. You're like on a bus. Oh, wow. And it fucking sucks. You know what I mean? And my big thing is like, dude, when I'm trying to, you know, do my morning routine, like use the restroom, like it just, it's going to happen. And that day it's like, it's stuck in there and you're just feeling it, you know, and you're just misery. Right. And you get off the bus and I'm in reception. That's where they kind of classify you as a prisoner. Like they don't know whether you're going to do like a lifer on a four yard or you're going to go to this, or you're going to do that. So you go to reception center. And I was in reception and it's kind of like a, like a pre-prison, mm-hmm. right? And I was there for three months and um, I lived in cells at that point. They put me in a cell and my cellmate was this big biker dude named Rax. And uh, he was a good dude. He kind of took me under his wing a little bit and was like, look, you're a white boy from IE. This is what you say. This is what you don't say. This is how you could avoid getting lumped up. You know, mm-hmm. do this, not this. There's rules. Like, you're not allowed to play games with, with the black guys. You're not allowed to play sports with the black guys. You're not allowed to eat with the black guys. You, you know, you could talk to them. You could gamble with them. But if you get into drug debt with them or gambling debt with them, the white guys might come after you. So there's these unwritten rules that everyone knows. Hmm. Well, that all the inmates know mm-hmm. and the cops even know it. You know what I mean? And the cops know everything that's going on, too. But I didn't know it, right? Because yeah. it was my first time. So Rax told me a lot about that. And uh, one day Rax, uh, he sees me working out frivolously. And he's like, I'm going to teach you how to work out. And so he uh, like talks to one guy through the our cell door. Within like five minutes, this guy like underneath the cell door gives us a trash bag and a magazine. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And he takes the magazine and he rolls it up really, 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 really tight, right? With his giant hands. And he like cuts his sheet and he makes a string and he like tapes the magazine tight, right? Then he gets the bag and he starts filling it with toilet water. And so the bag's like, I don't know, like 10 gallons or something of toilet water. And then he uh, ties the bag to the handle that he made and he starts doing curls with the water bag and the magazine is, is the handle. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh shit, this is awesome. We're working out. Like this is awesome. Unbelievable. And so I'm in my cell with this dude, just reading anything I get my hands on and uh-huh. it's all fiction. You know what I mean? But I've read a lot of different books from, you know, Tom Clancy, Peterson, uh, Stephen King, you know, John Grisham, whatever I get my hands on, I read all night. You know what I mean? Yeah. And working out all day. And we were on lockdown for like 23 and a half hours a day. So for three months. Why were you on lockdown? 
we're on lockdown because of the Bulldogs, which is a, a Mexican gang in Fresno who are fighting the blacks. So anytime they would let us out to like hang out or mm -hmm. like go like whatever, they would just, they just fight. You know what I mean? And it's super intimidating in prison. Cause on the walls, there's these words that say no warning shots will be fired. Pretty much mean that if you get into a fight, they could shoot, shoot you with a real bullet. Crazy. No warning shots will be fired. And I saw a guy, they were fist fighting. Uh, these two bulldogs are fighting each other. Who knows why? Right. And so the guys socks him so hard. He falls on his back. Right. And the guy gets up after getting socked and he's coming after the guy. They shoot him in the back with a rubber bullet. So first he gets socked in the face and falls on his back. <laughs> he gets up to charge the guy shoot him only the to get, shoot him in the back with a rubber back. bullet falls on his back again somehow. I don't know how. And then the guy gets on top of him and just starts punching him. And he's not oh, even moving man. at this point. Like, He's out cold. There's and the guy's no UFC just, rep here. He's just throwing strikes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, where the fuck am I? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what that guy did, but I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so then what they call the goon squad, all the, you know, the sirens go off. Rah, rah, rah. And, uh, you know, everyone gets down and then they run in there and they spray you with pepper spray and they pull you out of there and all that stuff, you know? And so at this point, how far in are you? Three Six, months. Three months. Three or four months. So are you already going, I am changing my life? Have you already made, oh, made, made and yeah, stuck yeah, to yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, And it's just like, I kind of got comfortable in jail, and I hate saying that because you never want to get comfortable being incarcerated, mm -hmm. but I was comfortable in jail. When you go to prison, it's like big time. It's like, you know, the rules are set in stone, and it's not, it's like shoot to kill. It's, yeah. it, it's pretty intense. So let's, let's jump to, let's talk about two things real quick. Let's talk about, real quick, tell us about Jamestown, and then tell us about you went to the fire camps. Yeah, so from reception, they put me on a bus and they sent me to an actual working prison. There's like 30 prisons in California and you could go to a bunch of different ones. Um, and they sent me to Jamestown, which happened to be um, a platform to go to fire camp. So as an alternative to incarceration, excuse me, you could go fight uh, wildland forestry. Mm -hmm. So um, Jamestown and one other prison kind of had that program. So I got to Jamestown and they like, they bring me in and they sit me down and they're like, what are we going to do with this guy? We make him work in the kitchen. Da, 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 da. And they're like, I think we're thinking fire camp for this guy. And like the only rules for fire camp is you have to have like five or less years. You have never, can never have an escape charge and you can never mm -hmm. have an arson charge, but that's like goes without saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm like, all right, cool. And they're like, all right, so we'll send him the fire camp. And I didn't know whether I was going to go in like a month or, or when I was going to happen, but I ended up not going for like a year. So I was in Jamestown for a year. And when I got to Jamestown, you show up and it's this giant playground, like huge grass area. And there's like two baseball fields, people playing ping pong, people shooting baskets, um, people working out. And like a guy had like a pet lizard, a guy had a boombox, so a guy yeah, a was wearing DVSs, and I'm like, where does he even get those shoes from? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm wearing the yeah. issued stuff. Like, they were just hanging out drinking sodas, and I'm like, this is like a resort, you know? Yeah. Uh, but again, you can't forget like where you are, you know, because all of a sudden the alarm goes off, you get down, and then over in the corner you see some guys fighting. You yeah. Know? So you can never forget where you are. But you know, if you took that part out of it, yeah, it's super chill. Like, you know, and um. It's an easy place to get comfortable, which is why I think a lot of people maybe get institutionalized, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was there from, I think, August or September of 2004. I did my crime in March. March 16th, I did my crime. March 23rd, I got caught. 
I think I got to Jamestown like in September. Mm -hmm. So I finally got to where I was going. It took me like that long to finally get to where I was going with sentencing and everything. And I lived in this dorm and there was a bunch of AMI. They called them American Indian. So instead of like white, black, Mexican, it's like AMI is like, we're our own people. We're going to be our own car. And there was a bunch of American Indians in there. And they were an interesting group of people to like live with because they were like had so much money on their books because they get free money for the casinos. They would have all this money on their books and they were all like drug addicts kind of, you know what I mean? Huh. So it was just an interesting dorm to be in. Yeah. Um, and I worked out all the time, um, played sports all the time outside. And it was like, it was, it was somewhat cozy a little bit, you know? Interesting. Um, and it wasn't that violent, you know, that where I was. I was on a level two yard. So there's le- one, two, three, and four. And four is the high security. Yeah, four is high security, and it's based yeah. on a point system. Like, and what you were know, you? Uh, two. Two. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like a, you know, hide your shank when you go to the yard type of yeah. place, you know? I mean, it still happened, but there's enough people raising their hand to get into trouble, you know, yeah. that you don't have to. So you just stick with the whites from the IE, you work out, and uh, you kind of just do your time. You know, and uh, eventually I went to fire camp and um, and explain real quick for the audience what fire camp is. Fire camp is uh, it's just like the wildland forestry service where they cut fire line um, and basically they use inmates for a lot of the hard work. So um, a fire captain will take a crew of inmates and you go to fires and you cut fire line. So a fire line is that there's a forest burning down. What they want to do is they want to uh, get rid of all the brush. Mm -hmm. around the fire so what they do is they take a crew and they'll have like a chainsaw and then a puller and then another chainsaw another puller and basically what they do is they cut like the big branches Mm -hmm. right so the guy cuts it with a chainsaw the puller will throw it over out of the way and then after that you got like five or six axes and they'll hit stumps of trees and stuff and then after that you got like 10 rakes or something and they rake it and when you're done you got like this mountain bike trail Mm-hmm. And the, there's nothing to burn, yeah. right? Yeah, th- that's the group that everybody basically starts in before they go to actual fire. Yeah, I've had, yeah, what's, had a boot, what, what's it called? Boot camp or uh, like there's, there's a hot name shots for it. and stuff like that. You know what I mean? There, you don't have to be an inmate to do this work. Yeah. No, most firefighters do it before they become yeah, firefighters. They do. So I'm saying I I have a lot of friends who who are in L.A. County and when whenever they I can't, it's hand crew. That's what yeah, it's called. Hand crew, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. And and they were just telling me this a couple months ago that they'll have inmates do it with them. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, man, that's the hardest work. And these guys are making nothing. And we made a dollar like, well, an hour. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. A dollar an hour when you're on a fire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Only when you're on the fire. But it sounded like you, for you, it sounded like you, I mean, you are a CrossFit business owner. So is that where the CrossFit or like, is that where that started or where you, did You know, start? keep in mind as we're going through the progression of, of my incarceration every day I was doing like 20 sets of 20 pushups. So and then, fitness just became your thing. That was my thing okay. when I was in there. And again, it all was like, I'm going to get chicks when I get out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 19 and testosterone's flowing. You yeah. know? Um, so one day I would do like 20 sets of 20 pushups and I would do like 20 sets of 10 dips. And then the next day I would do like 20 sets of 10 pull-ups and like 20 sets of 10 sit-ups or something like that. And I did that almost every single day with like two or three friends or guys I was locked up with. And that was when the whole time, you yeah. know, I'll go back to this little antidote. Uh, when I was in reception with racks, they let us out to go take a shower. Right. And they let you out for like 15 minutes and I, I get out and I'm taking the shower and I drop my ID card and it falls down these stairs, like through this little rail. Right. Cause the shower is upstairs and I'm like, fuck, 
So I go downstairs in my towel, right? And uh, I go pick up my ID card and the, the cop's like, hey, get over here. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, hey, I drop my ID card and I go in his little office and there's a mirror in there. And I didn't have a shirt on because I was taking a shower and I saw myself for the first time in like four months and I was jacked. <laughs> and I was smiling. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, no, I don't know. He's like, get out of here. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, I couldn't believe it. I remember I went yeah. back in my cell, I'm like, Rax, let's work out. And he's like, all right, let's do it, you know? Awesome. And uh, it, it kind of fueled me, you know? So I started to get some muscle, get some confidence, and that's what I did. So I worked out. So when I got to fire camp, we did that workout with my friends. We would work out and we would also go fight fire. And so oh, literally, crazy. yeah, it was like double duty. So we would work out and then, uh, they, you go work every day at 8am, whether there's a fire or not. And mm. then when you're doing your work, it might be beating weeds. It might be random stuff that they have us doing. It's like wasting time. Um, then if there's a fire call, you go to a fire and you fight the fire and you go home mm. and then we'd go home and I'd work out again and literally working out all day long. When you were on fires, do you, do you guys like the inmates have to kind of be their own separate group or are you guys no. kind of all with the team? You're all with the team, but you know, a lot of times these fires are so big, they're like acres and acres and acres long. Like you show up and there'll be all the other fire trucks and then you get your orders. Mm -hmm. So like we stay in the truck in the back and then the captain will go talk to like the people and that may take 10 minutes. It may take two hours. And literally we're just sitting in the back of the truck, you know, shooting the shit talking trash to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, it was very much like a, like a fraternity or I imagine I've never been in the military, like a military crew. Yeah. You just talk trash to each other. Yeah. And, uh, then he'd be like, okay, we're going over here and we're cutting this line. Get your shit. You know, yeah. we'd start, we'd start working. And I was gung ho on being the hardest worker, like gung ho. Um, I'll tell you another story. Uh, my very first fire, I had never been on a fire before. Uh, it was a controlled burn. So we showed up to do a controlled burn and they're burning all this, in like a pit they're burning this and the the thought was if we burn this if this does catch on fire it won't burn as much yeah right well we had cut a line around it and then they started burning it and then the fire jumped the line which means like an ember went on the other side of the line and it went up this mountain and they made this there's a giant fire that they weren't planning on so all of a sudden you see an airplane go by and starts dropping the retardant like that red stuff and people start firing up their saws and marching and it was like a war zone and i'm like what is going Crazy. on you know what i mean and uh the the first polar so the chainsaw's polar was like i'm tired i, I need a break and they're like is it inmate this is an inmate yeah okay. we're all inmates and they're like mountain will you go pull for for boom this is the saw's name we go pull for boom while i take a rest and i'm like no problem so i start pulling and I never quit. I'm like, I'm not stopping. And it's one of the hardest jobs cardiovascularly. And pr- pulling means the, the, it falls after he uses the chainsaw yeah. and then you take what he cut off and then pull it out of the way, pull it out of the way and throw the, it like a good axe, 20 guys. feet away. So I'm literally doing like 20 feet shuttle runs back and forth with 30 pounds of gasoline on my back. Cause the chainsaw takes gasoline. So I have to carry the gasoline tank and I'm just running back and forth and I'm like, I'm not giving this up. I'm not giving this up. Cause it's like a prestigious position. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Being in the front of the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was like the first time that I saw like my fitness, like work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the end of it, the captain's like, he could have that job. Oh, and nice. Like, Sweet. So yeah. whenever I was on a fire, you get out and I'm like, I'm the first puller. I feel good. You know, yeah. it feels good. And then sometimes we'd be in these grass fires where there's literally nothing to cut with a chainsaw, but he always wants one saw just in case. So a lot of times we would just not even turn on the saw. And we'd be in a grass fire and everyone would be working and we'd just be walking. Yeah. You know, and it was cool. And Boom was a big mentor to me. 
he was this six four mocha skin black guy and he had like green eyes and he was like super buff and he always told these stories and he seemed super cool and you know, you're 19 you think everyone's cool maybe you yeah know? and uh we're at the top of this mountain and it was a grass fire so we didn't work and we're just staring and i was like man boom i wish i was I wish i was buff and tall like you you know like you're and he's like mountain shut up you're a stunner just the way you are just don't ever say that again and it really stuck with me like to this day i'll even tell myself like i'm a stunner there's nothing to be scared of Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just weird how little moments like that played a big role in my confidence. Sure. You know, that's a, that's yeah. a big thing was the confidence that it, that it gave me. Yeah. Um, at what point did you like through this process where you kind of starting to think what you were going to do after and yeah, you kind of can forget about that. Cause you know, you wake up, m- meals are cooked for you. Laundry's done for you. Everything's done for you. I mean, you write letters and I didn't know what I wanted to be when I got out. And my family was slowly starting to kind of like trust me again. Um, I remember one of my brothers, I was like, you know, I'm locked up with all these criminals. And he was like, don't get it twisted. You're a criminal. Shit. <laughs> and you're like, hey, man. <laughs> Try it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, so I see where he's coming from and all that, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, right about two months before I got out, right. I didn't know where I was going to go, what I was going to live or what I was going to do. One of my brothers, I have three older brothers. Mm. One of my brothers uh, was like, Hey, you could come live with me for a couple months. I live in Camarillo. And I was like, Oh sweet. You know what I mean? I just thought like, you know, everyone was like a surfer out here and my other brother lived in Calabasas. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm finally getting out of the IE, yeah. you know? And so uh, my release date came and it wasn't super like the heavens parted. Uh-huh. It was kind of weird. Uh, get out and you're driving on the street and I remember we got like some fast food or something and it, it really wasn't that spectacular uh-huh. as you might think. Cause that's all you think about the moment you, you get arrested is I can't wait to get out of here and do yeah. this, this and this and slay the world. And, um, it, it, it I kind of realized like, wow, it's really a lot harder out here. Yeah. Well, I, I would, I would guess that because you, because you were going to do something that when you got out, you probably felt a lot of pressure. Like oh, yeah. now I have to figure out how I'm going to go out and make money. And it's, and I'm not, I think sometimes people get out to go party again or, Oh, you know what the, yeah. So the big thing is when you get out of prison, um, they give you what they call gate money. It's 200 bucks and a bus ticket. So mm-hmm. they give you your bus ticket to go home. So if no one picked me up from the gates, they would have given me $200 and a bus ticket to San Bernardino. Now that's easy for somebody to get out get on that bus, get off the bus in San Bernardino, and that's enough money to what? Get a hooker, get high, and yeah. get a hotel room. You know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. what they do. And that's what they do with the gate money. You know, I had like $1,000 from fighting all the fires. Mm. Yeah, so I had worked that many hours on a fire. They give you a dollar an hour. So I had some gate money. I think I used that money to uh, to like buy a, a beater car. You know? And was there, a, was there a, a point where you're going, I'm never going back here, or was it not that like, cause you say you get comfortable, right? We know the statistics of how many people go back to jail, yeah. right? Was there a point where you're like, I'm not going back here? Or were you kind of like, you know, it wasn't that bad. Like if I fuck, fuck up again. No, I'm never going back. Okay. That's yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't like a, yes, yeah, it's kind of nice. I might retire here. No, okay. it's, it's fucking terrible. Okay. You know what I mean? It, it, it's terrible. What people get comfortable with is that there's no responsibility. Got it. There's no yep. rent to pay. Got it. You know what I mean? That's a shitty thing. Like paying car insurance when you got no money and, yeah. you know, and paying rent and going to work and the grind that that's hard. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I think, you know, waking up 
uh, I used to wake up before uh, we went to work in the fire camp to go work out. And part of the reason was, is you're not allowed to work out with weights. <laughs> and we had come across these weights when we were fighting a fire in this like abandoned house. And we put all these weights in our backpack and we, we hiked out. And so I literally have, you know, 30 pounds of gasoline on my back. And I also have two 45 pound plates that I slid into my backpack and I'm walking out with it. And, uh, we hid them behind a, a fire hydrant. So there's a fire hydrant at the fire camp, uh, sorry, like a fire extinguisher mm -hmm. and it's on the wall and we unscrewed it and put a hole in the drywall and put the weights <laughs> behind it. So you can work out. And so at like four in the morning, we'd wake up me and like three other guys and with a screwdriver, we'd unscrew the fire extinguisher, go into the hole in the wall and pull out weights and start working out with weights. Cause that's the only way we could work out with weights. Crazy. And I remember they'd wake me up and it was like, it's so early, but I would do it. Yeah. And I think about that now, you know, I opened my gym three days a week at 4.30 a.m. And people are like, how do you do it? You just do it. Yeah. Like, there's no choice. It's like, what choice do I have? Yeah. You know? So I want to make sure that we have time to talk about your, your current business. But I want to go through what your adjustment back into working once you got out. So how did you... What jobs did you do after you got out? Tons of jobs. Oh, the, the first thing I did when I came to Camarillo was I opened a phone book, which... It was 2005. So that's how yeah. long ago it was. Most people don't know what that is. Yeah, phone book is a, is a page of numbers. <laughs> yeah. um, and I started calling every restaurant in Camarillo, being like, do you need a busser? Do you need a busser? Do you need a busser? And I, it only took me like a half hour before some guy answered and said, yeah, you come work right now. And I'm like, okay. And I walked over there and it just so happened it was like a mile away. And I walked over there and started working in the kitchen at the Chinese restaurant. And I worked there for like three months and I signed up for school at um, Ventura College. Mm -hmm. And kind of picked up where I left off with school. And after doing that for like three months, I was like, this kind of sucks. I haven't met anyone. I don't know anyone. All I do is work out at 24 hour fitness, you know, and I was kind of itching to kind of meet some people. So I got a job at Gold's Gym Thousand Oaks as a front desk manager. And then also at El Torito. It's actually a Chick-fil-A now. Yeah, 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 I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And so I had those two jobs and I was going to school and I started meeting people and um, I became a personal trainer, you know, I was working at the front desk just to like, you know, work out. And then the gym owner was like, or maybe like the general manager, he, he comes up to me and he goes, Hey, we want you to sell memberships. And I'm like, you know, I kind of want to be a trainer because they got like, you know, they have the shirt that says trainer on the back and <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, he's like, all right, um, go ahead. And I knew they had to get like this really hard cert called NASM and it was like 600 bucks and I didn't have the money. Mm. And he's like, you know what, Greg? just get certified by anybody cause you'll be successful. And I'm like, okay. So I literally went online and got this like hokey, like become a trainer, you know, for like 200 bucks. And uh, it was through Nesta and, uh, I got, I became a trainer and I started personal training and I got all these clients right away. Cause I was at the front desk. I met all these people at the front desk. Mm. So I had all these clients and I was personal training and I did that for a little while. And then from there I went to a different gym and I, um, I went to a different gym because they let me sell memberships and personal train at the same time. Mm. And I realized you make a lot more money selling in sales yeah. than you do being a personal trainer. And yeah. was that the, did, was that like the boiler room type job you described? No, that was just another gym. Okay. So I just went to another gym, but the, so my next job after that, um, that gym, like the owner was, was kind of a douche. And like, he like restructured our payments and like come to find out the gym wasn't doing well. So he mm -hmm. was just kind of, you know, yeah. rolls downhill. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
I was like, I got to get out of this gym thing. It's not a means to an end, you know, it, it's just feast or fathom. And, uh, I went on Craigslist and I got a job selling leads and it was like a straight boiler room, right? Everyone's wearing nice suits, even though we're talking on the phone and, uh, they're like, you're going to make a million dollars. Bring in, bring in Ricky. Ricky comes in. This is Ricky. I've known Ricky since he was 18. He owns his own house. He's rich as hell. And da, 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 da. And like, be like Ricky. And I'm like, all right, I'll be like Ricky. And, uh, you sell one on the phone. They have the, the movie boiler room literally playing on the TVs Unreal. and like close now. And I'm like, if I give you everything, if I have everything you need, are you going to buy it today? Cause if not, I'm going to hang up the phone. Like just stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did you like selling? Uh, no, no. I, liked- I can't stand the, I can't stand the thought of calling somebody I don't know on the phone and trying to sell them a product when they don't want to listen to you. I like talk talking. I like talking a lot. I like talking to you. I just don't like calling a random person yeah, to yeah. sell something over a phone. Yeah. You know? I always call. Like, if I have a question about, like, a menu or when they close or anything, I call, the, I call it right now. Like, hey, Siri, call Shake Shack. And they're like, why are you calling them? Like, hang on. Let me, let me just call them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good trait. So, oh. that, the Boiler Room experience, though, uh, what was your next job after that? Um, so, the Boiler Room experience, I'm selling leads, you know, um, and this is 2008, so the 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 mortgage hit had just happened yeah. and nobody's making money and everybody's disgruntled at that mm. job, right? And they'd be like, if you were here a year ago, blah, blah, blah. So you'd be making so much more money. And I got a job at Nova Store, which is a backup software development company and they make mm. backup software. And their office is up there on Canaan. You, it says Nova Store on the side of the, the building, right? Canaan uh, and the, the 101 freeway. Mm-hmm. And I get a job there. And it's much more professional, you know, uh, nothing against people that sell toner, but like selling leads is like selling toner. I'm sure mm. there's people that kill it in that industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? So nothing mm. against that. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, I know exactly you know, what you're saying. Yeah, I did it. Not, <laughs> not exactly that, but I know what you're saying as far as it's like your going. first intro. It's like Kirby vacuum almost. Um, so I'm selling backup software and it's a more prestigious job. And I brought the boiler room mentality to that office and it was like a library in there. And I'd be in there and I'm pitching, standing up and I got a headset on and I'm doing this. And they eventually have me selling like the medium size software. And then I worked up to selling like the enterprise size software. So they liked it. They liked, they liked it. it. Yeah. And yeah. they, you know, they didn't like me per se, I think because of like maybe the tattoos or the muscles or I didn't play ball and I didn't, you know, I wasn't real good at the politics. You know, I was very like a chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but they couldn't, they couldn't, he meets his quota. He sells the product. You know what I mean? He leaves at lunch to go work out and comes back, you know? And so getting into that, like right when I was at that point was when I started doing CrossFit and I bought a group on for CrossFit and I loved it. I loved it. It was like I was a personal trainer and I always kind of had my athletes do like supersets and things like that. But I did CrossFit and I was like, this is the the way to work out. If you want to get buff and cut, that's what we all strive for, right? Oh, how do I, how do I get tone? How do I get buff and cut? How do I get muscles? But I want a six pack. It's CrossFit, right? And I started doing CrossFit uh, when I was at that job. So I literally would have two monitors up. One monitor, I'm like writing an email about, hey, do you want to buy my software? And the other monitor, I'm looking up CrossFit videos all day long. <laughs> and the, the boss is like, his, his phone time is terrible. Like he's not on the phone, he's not working, but his numbers are good. So it's like, what do we do with this guy? You know? And I just knew like I didn't want to do this anymore. I, I wanted to 
I wanted to do CrossFit. And so my CrossFit, the owner of the CrossFit gym I was at was like, Hey, you should do this, um, this tryout. It's called the open. And I'd been doing CrossFit for a couple months and the top 40 people go to regionals. And then when you go to regionals, the top three go to the CrossFit games, which is what you see on TV. Mm. And I'm like, sure. So how do we do it? And he's like, well, they're going to release a workout and you get to do it in the gym and we'll videotape it. And then like you get one workout a week for five weeks. Excuse me. And at the end of the five weeks, if you're in the top 40, you'll go to regionals. And he's like, just going to regionals is pretty studly. I'm like, okay, cool. So first workout came out and it was like seven minutes of burpees. And I was like, how easy is this? He's like, well, the top guys in the world are getting this score. So you need to get this score. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I get that score. And he's like, oh, cool. Right. And then a week later, the next workout comes out and I do well again. And then the third workout, then the fourth workout, and then the fifth workout. And they're like, you qualified. Congratulations. You're going to regionals. So I show up to regionals and I get my ass kicked. Like my form is bad. Uh, you have an actual judge watching you. And so like I was getting no rep on my handstand pushups because my feet were too far apart mm. when I was just the ticky tacky stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dang it, this sucks. But I had made regionals and that was my first ever CrossFit competition. And so there's a lot of CrossFit competitions, almost like running a 5k. You could do a 5k every weekend if you really want to, right? You could do a CrossFit competition yeah. every weekend. I had never done one of those. So I pretty much just showed up for like the Olympic tryouts type of thing. Right. And got floor. So I started coaching at my gym to pay for the membership. Cause it's expensive. It's a couple hundred dollars a month and I'm coaching and I'm working out and I make regionals the next year. I'm like, Oh, this is kind of cool. You know? And I was getting better and I started doing local competitions and I would win. I would win a bunch of these local competitions. So I started getting like little sponsorship deals and things like that. And they just give you free t-shirts and, you know, shout outs on Instagram, which is cool. And, um, I made regionals a third time. And so when I made it the third time, I had a real crack at that regionals to go to the games. And I had a couple mental errors in the competition, so I didn't go, but it's all good. And that was when I realized like right around three years into CrossFit that I was like, I want to open my own gym. You know, the gyms I'm at, they just weren't right. You know what I mean? They just weren't like other gyms that I had been to where I'm like, oh, this is like a Mecca fitness. Yeah. This is how it works. So right? how did you go about starting your own gym? Um, first, you got to like talk this to... Your, this is your first business you ever started? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First business I ever started. Um, first... Uh, you have to find the location and every city hall is a little different. So I remember going to like city hall, thousand Oaks and they were like, well, you need a conditional use permit. It's like five grand and you may not get it. And so I remember I walked away with my tail between my legs, like tears in my eyes. Like I'm never going to open a gym. I go to Westlake. So even though I had that thought, I still went to the very next city hall next door mm -hmm. and I go to Westlake city hall and they're like, it's like 1300 bucks and we'll help you. I'm like, Oh, this might work. Right. Um, then I went to see me and they had their own little story and I went to Camarillo and then I went to Moore Park and Moore Park was pretty chill. They were like, it's 1200 bucks and we'll help you, you know, depending on the size of the gym and da, da, da. So then I get a, a realtor and they start showing me different spaces and I see this, I go to this space in, in Moore Park and I'm like, this isn't right. It's like an L shape. There's a mezzanine. I can't use any of this. Like, you know what I mean? And the guy goes, Are you looking for a box? And I'm like, yeah. That's what they call CrossFit gyms. Yeah. They call them boxes. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's like, you're just looking for a square. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, all right, I own the property next door. 
the guy's not paying his rent, but you know, he's a good guy. I'll move you into his space. And I said, so I go look at it and it's perfect. It's like 5,000 square feet. It's huge. There's not a lot of office space cause I don't need it. And I'm like, it's perfect. He's like, cool. All right, let's do it. So I was like, all right, well I better start getting some money. So I had a little nest egg and I went to this credit union and I was going to get like this line of credit. Right. And right before I start using that line of credit for like the first and last on the deposit and everything like that. And the landlord's like, you don't have a, you don't have a business now. Like, I don't know who you are. So I'm going to make you pay like four month deposit or something crazy. And I'm like, really? And he's like, I'll give you two of them back. If you make every payment on time in a year and I'll give you the, like the third one back if you make it in like two years. And I'm like, Oh shit. Right. So I was kind of stressing and I had the money, like a little nest egg saved, but not a lot to be comfortable opening a business. Right? Yeah. People were like, you need like six months saved. And I was like, I don't even have two months saved. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, um, let alone like providing for my own self. Right. Yeah. And, um, at the nth hour, my brother calls me and he's in the financial world and he goes, Hey, tell me about that loan you're getting. And I didn't know the answers to his question. He would ask me stuff like what the interest rate was or something simple like that. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just need the money. Yeah. You know what I mean? They could take a finger for all I care. You know, yeah. I, I just wanted to open the gym. I was just desperate, you know? Um, I wouldn't say desperate. I was just motivated. Yeah, sure. I totally get it. Um, and he's like, tell you what, I'll, I'll help you out, you know? Uh, so that way, you, you know, you have more flexibility, you know? And he was real vague about like, but he's like, look at whatever they're asking for. So he gave me like less than 50 grand. He didn't give me a lot, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But he gave me enough that I could do the deposit and the cross to open a CrossFit gym, you have to pay CrossFit 3000 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And then a little bit of equipment. Did he come on? Just, did he lend you the money or did he come on as a partner? Uh, he wanted to come on as a partner, but he was advised against it okay. because if someone like falls and breaks their neck and they come after me and they realize that I'm broke. Yeah. Go after him. Yeah. So right. he's like, tell you what, just take give it. me the loan. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know what though? Real quick though, that's uh, you. You didn't know the answer to the questions, but that's a very valuable lesson that we touch on in so many episodes. Like, you don't have to know the, all the answers. That that the people we've in, we're at like twenty three interviews now. I can't tell you how many times people say like, I didn't know, but I just decided that's what I was gonna do, and then I figured it out as I went along. So yeah, that's that's a good lesson there. So keep going. Yeah, that's that's definitely me. I'm the type of guy that you know will write a business plan on a napkin. Yeah, and I'll figure it out. You're like I I got this. You know, uh, whatever. So you get the loan, and then so I get the loan. I uh, I sign the lease papers. the The building lease space is mine. Right. I'm super pumped and, um, the equipment starts going in and the biggest mistake I made and anyone that owns a business is going to laugh at me when I say this, I thought I had, I'm done. I win game over. Success is done. I opened opened the business. I opened the business. (laughs) I haven't been open for one day yet, but you know what I mean? Also a lesson. I think every entrepreneur has a story about. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, this is where it all starts. Not where it finishes. Yeah. Yeah. I've built it. They're going to come. I'm going to put my feet up. Where should I go on vacation? You know, like, and, uh, you open the doors and I opened the doors. Uh, you know, and people were there, like I had been doing CrossFit in the area for, you know, three or four years. So I had enough members my first month to like cover my rent. Oh, that's big. Huge. Yeah. yeah right? That's good. That's yeah. huge. And I, uh, I quickly had enough and it was kind of, um, it, it didn't give me the fire I needed though. It made me comfortable too fast hmm. because oh, I opened the gym and I had enough, I'm like, Oh, I have enough to survive. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And so I started training like 
like the way I always wanted to train. I had the equipment I always wanted. You know what I mean? I had the hours to do it, you know, in between so classes. So I don't want to forget about this. You were, you, you didn't really, what, you actually went, you were a CrossFit athlete. Tell us about like, you went to regional, you, tell us about that, being an athlete. So yeah, um, being an athlete in CrossFit, there's kind of a couple different levels, right? Yeah. Um, some people do CrossFit, you know, just cause it's the best hour of their day and they want to go home and they, you know, they do some pull-ups, they, um, they get faster, they lose body fat, you know, and then some athletes, you know, they compete a little bit on the weekends at the local 5k type of thing. Uh, and then some people compete in it and they want to go to the games. And, you know, I would say less than 10 people on this earth make a living solely off of doing CrossFit very Interesting. well. Okay. So making a full living competing in CrossFit isn't there yet. It's getting, there people. is now there's might be a hundred people. I don't know, okay. you know, but it, but yeah, it ain't no. a lot, you know, and, um, there's three levels. So you either compete in the open, you compete at regionals, or you compete at the games, 40 people in the world, make it to the games, mm. 40 right? people in the world, make it to the games. Okay. Well, unless you go to like master's division. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, so not a lot of people make it to the games and just because you make it to the games and you get a bunch of, you know, free food and a bunch of free clothes um, the sponsors don't pay you enough money to pay a mortgage, Yeah, you know? And I was only making it to regionals. So I, even though I made it to regionals four years in a row, yeah. um, you get a lot of people like, Oh, that coach knows what he's talking about. You know what I mean? Um, I got some pretty good sponsorships, you know, from different like yoga brand companies and things mm -hmm. like that. And you know, a bunch of free equipment and, but it's not going to pay your bills. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just more for pride. Yeah. Like I'm a regional athlete. Yeah. You know, and I imagine in your world, it might be like maybe being an amateur skater. No, it what for us. No, it's like, is like 20 years ago before skate or 25 years ago before skating popped off. There was a bunch of skateboarders that were pros and very respected, but didn't make livings at all. Correct. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And they were respected by the other pros. So another athlete would come to me and be like, Hey, I want to make regionals. I want to train with you. Yeah. And I'm like, let's do it. Let's throw it down. And we'd work out like animals, you know? Yeah. yeah it's similar to how skate used to be. And then yeah. like, even like UFC now, I don't know if you're into UFC, but like yeah, sure. when it started forever ago, people weren't making that much money and now it's growing and growing and become becoming more and more popular and people are fully making careers at it. And it's more science-based now. So sure. CrossFit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, CrossFit was always very science-based. You know, the guy that started CrossFit uh, is a brilliant dude, Greg Glassman. Um, I would suggest reading everything he ever wrote and watching, you know, every article that he has on YouTube. He's a brilliant guy. And it was science-based from the beginning. That's why you record the workouts. You don't just record the workout so you could prove that you're better than the person next to you. It does that too. But yeah. it's also, so if you do a workout and it takes you exactly 10 minutes yeah. and you do it a month later and it takes you exactly eight minutes, you could prove that, you did 20% more work. Yeah. Work capacity. Yep. Yeah. Force times distance over time is work capacity. It's all science-based. And so it just gets people fitter. So as fit as I was, like as fit as I am now, I would demolish regionals if I went to regionals back in 2012. Like, yeah. Demolish sure. it. Yeah. But so is everybody yeah. else. Yeah. It's just they've upped the level so much and there's so many more competitors and it's just so big now. You yeah. Know? It's just a lot bigger. Um, and so what I was getting at is you were a competing regionals athlete. You go, you, you get the money, you start your own business. And then you had mentioned that when you first got into business, you were a little, um, 
you well let, let me say it this way you, recently you've started doing a lot of things to grow your business but yeah. there was a process you went through yeah so tell us about when you first opened your business versus the things that you're doing now in your business yeah when i first opened my business it was like the business was there to serve greg and you know shamefully that is so true you know mm -hmm. um the business was there so I could work out and I could continue to go to regionals and I could promote myself, you know, the way that I programmed. So was, you still wanted to compete at this point? Yeah. Yeah. And I did one more time. Okay. And then, then a couple of years went by and I didn't qualify and the next year I didn't qualify. And I, this was like looking around and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I, I got this business, like people would die to own their own CrossFit gym as big as this, as nice as this without a, a business partner. And here I am, you know, self-promoting, you know, trying to go to regionals. And I eventually said, you know, I, I got to hang up my hat, hang up the shoes and, and focus on the people, you know, like I had this great opportunity to help people, you know, um, I've given so many people their first pull up. I can't count. I've helped people get off diabetes medication. Um, I've helped people lose 50 pounds. I almost have a guy that's almost lost a hundred pounds. Um, I've had the opportunity to help a lot of people. And the athlete was just getting in the way mm -hmm. and the business was stale. It had been stale for like the first three years. And so it wasn't until about a year ago, maybe even less that I, this completely, I said, all right, you know, I'm still fit. I'm no longer a competitive athlete. I'm going to give it my all as a business owner. And I've been doing little things that have made my gym grow like 80%. Yeah. Tell us yeah. about those things. Something as simple as making people check in. People, I didn't even know people had a membership valid or not. They would just come into the gym. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they would just text me and be like, hey, can you cancel my membership? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. You know? So now people come in and they have to check in. And at first, a lot of the members were like, why do we have to check in? This is so hard pushing a button. And I'm like, dude, it's an <laughs> iPad. Like, yeah. they're like, how do you use this thing? Yeah. I'm like, it's an iPad. You have an iPhone. Like, what are you crazy? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just how people are. You know, they yeah. hate change. Yeah. And I think, too, like when you're doing something you're passionate about, right? You love working out. You love CrossFit, right? You forget about like the little things that you can do to grow a business. You just want everybody to be a part of CrossFit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I, dude, I can totally relate to the beginning stages. Like, look, dude, I, I just want to show people how to do this and get stronger and, and forget that, like, you are trying to grow and run a successful business. Right, and even little things. Like, I used to program. They call it the WOD, the workout of the day. So, every day there's a WOD, and every class does it. So, there's five or six classes a day, and they all do the same workout, right? And I would program, like, for myself, like, what does Greg do? Because everyone wants to be fit like me, but they don't want to be fit like me. Yeah. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's too intense. Yeah. You know? So now I program with yeah. like, it's, this isn't for me. Yeah. This is for the masses. And I'm in Park. You know what I mean? I'm not in like Hollywood or Los yeah. Angeles where people yeah. are more. This people are, are in Moorpark are, are not as, you know, they're a little more timid than they would be in LA. Sure. You know what I, I mean? Agree. It's more family based and things like that. And people just want to go there and work out and leave. They don't yeah. need to go there and, you know, we're training for the games, you know, yep. they just want to go there and blow off some steam and leave. So I, I keep going. You have people check in. You mentioned like you used to a party or so. I can't remember like cake. Was it cake stands? What was it? Oh dude, I, I used to, I used to, I don't drink anymore, but I used to drink a lot. And, uh, I would literally throw events where we would do the beer mile. And like we would have kegs there and we would do keg stands and like we were doing like a beer bong and there's like literally like a, the dildo was what you put your mouth on to like drink out of it. And there's like kids there, you know, 
and I would like play like 50 cent with like 10 year olds in the room. Like, and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> so these are some of the enhancements <laughs> to the business is just keeping an environment where it's friendly for people to come in. Uh, you know, I look back on it now and like, I'm like ashamed, you know, yeah. but at least I, I, I pull my head out, you yeah. know, and I, I realize that, you know, I'm building something for everybody, not yeah. Greg. Where do your, where do the majority of your clients come from? Word of word mouth. mouth. Yeah. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Um, is that a hundred percent? No. It was for a long time and I was against doing like, um, it's called like Groupon, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. And a lot of people don't do that in CrossFit because you get a lot of couponers, yep. you know, but I have the space and I have the staff that can handle people coming. So you get like your first month for like 50%, mm -hmm. right? So they could try it out and they have the, the email list of like 3 million people or whatever, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't. So I've been doing that and, and that's actually grown it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And you know, you have to, it's hard cause you have to teach a lot of people how to squat. Yeah. And then in a month they may leave you. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, it is what it is. Um, but we're to handle more people. Are you actively trying to grow? Yeah. 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 The right way though. You want the right people in the room. You know what I mean? Um, because it is, you know, you do. So you're not necessarily looking for like, like an entry level that just wants to like see if they like it. No, I want that. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want, I, but you want them to turn into a loyal customer. Loyal correct. Yeah, yeah, but how do you how do you specifically target that with like without you, really knowing? You can't. Yeah. You know, I I would uh, if someone's like I've never worked out a day in my life. Can I come work out with you tomorrow? I'd be like, sure. Yeah. No problem. So yeah. that at that point, why not market to a ton of people? See who well, comes up. Here and it just is. This play is a the good odds with twenty percent are going to stay. And here's why. I have a room full of people of loyal people that have been paying me full tilt for years. Mm -hmm. Okay. New guy comes in on a coupon, right? Because we're doing, you know, weights, because we're doing stuff that you could get injured if you're not doing it right. Like even something like a kettlebell swing. I might give him a 10 pound kettlebell. You swing it wrong, you're going to hurt yourself, mm -hmm. right? I got to take a large percentage of my attention on that guy not even paying me leaving behind the people paying me full tilt and it's watering down the product. I get that. I totally get that. That that's the business uh, sense behind why you shouldn't do a group on. Now, if you are know that going in there and you're savvy about that and you make sure that those people that are loyal to you are getting a hundred percent of Greg, like I'm still all over you. You know what I mean? Hey, mm -hmm. I know you like that light kettlebell, Sally, make sure you grab that heavy one today. Ah, uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then the new guys kind of like, Hey, you know, you're doing fine. Just keep going. You know, you're safe. You da, da, da. And it's not that I ignore him. I just make sure those people get what they deserve sure. first sure, yeah. and not vice versa. And it's easy to kind of want to focus on the new guy yeah. and not the people that have been paying you. And that's why they say, you know, some gyms are against the Groupon method. I get that. That makes total sense. Are you the, are you the only you there? Yeah. 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 Are you going to get to a point you need to bring somebody else on to help you with this? Uh, I have three other coaches. Oh, you do? Yeah, I have three other coaches. Okay. No, he, yeah, that's what I think that's what he was asking. Sorry, so that's what I meant. Three other coaches that are working with people doing workouts, right? Yeah, yeah. I just thought you meant like regional athlete or whatever. Um, no, yeah. no, I meant like yeah. there's there's only so many people you can train personally, right? Cor correct. So I have three other coaches there, okay. and one of the other things that I've done recently is I've learned to just let go. You yeah. know, was that hard for you? Yeah, it took me years. It took yeah. me yeah. four years. That. You had a cool analogy when we talked before about it. You, the human oh, body? Because that's yeah. hard for me. I think that's hard for a lot of us. Here's what, it, I don't know where I heard this. I think I heard it from, um, I forget where I heard it from, but I was listening to this podcast one morning and this guy was saying, what you have to do is you have to look at delegating the way that the human body looks at delegating. The heart doesn't care what the kidneys are doing. The brain thinks about a thousand things. It doesn't care if the appendix is doing its job. 
you have to delegate like the human cell. You just have to trust that they're doing what they're supposed to do and you do what you're supposed to do. And that's the only way that it's going to work. Hmm. And so I bring that into my employees. I'm like, look, I'm leaving. I have to trust a hundred percent that this guy's doing his job because it makes no sense. What's the point? If I'm like, I have a camera in there, if I'm staring at the camera, you know, then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do doing in the moment. So literally you have to delegate as if you're the human body. So bring on the kidney and let the kidney be the kidney. Bring on the liver, let the liver be the li- like. The, so basically, del- that, I, I like that. That was good. Um, Think about it. If you're the brain, right? You're the, you're the CEO. You're the brain or the, the owner, right? You can't be worried about what the heart's doing. No, I think you're completely right. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's actually very logical. I just think it's, it's that, that was a struggle for me. It's hard to do in the beginning. Oh, it's totally. Uh, yeah. yeah. Especially when you're so used to doing everything yourself, right? As a pro skateboarder, everything was about me. Yeah. You work out, it's all about you and how you perform, right? Yeah. So it's hard, I think, having that mentality of I'm trying to do the best I can do, but I'm in full control, and then creating something like a business where that's impossible, right? Yeah. You have to ease up on the control to give it or outsource it to other people. It, it was foreign for me. It was, it was That was a hard part for me, but it you can't do it any other way. Yeah, right? and you just have to trust. And, you know, a good exercise I also do is like, let's just say the worst thing imaginable happens. You know, I let someone coach and someone comes to me and says like, he's a terrible coach, but doesn't that the feedback I kind of want, you know what I mean? And let's say, you know, he's coaching and you know, someone sneaks in and works out for free or whatever. Right. Well, if the guy loves it that much to cheat his way in, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so that, that's helped a lot is literally, and you know, all my employees are all like 20 years old. Oh, cool. All three of them. Yeah. All like 20 years old and they're great kids. And you know, I'm, I see myself in all of them in different ways, you know? Yeah. And I just try and help them. You know, they usually have uh, subsequent jobs. They all go to school and they're grinding. Yeah. And you know, um, it, it's cool for me to see that and give them something, you know, positive, Yeah. you know? And, uh, but yeah, that's, that's another one I did is I just kind of let go of control. Yeah. You know, sure. What's, what's next for the company? What's your, you have a five-year plan for this? Yeah, absolutely. My five-year plan is that, Right now, I am 80% of the company. You know, the other three guys are 20%. Yeah. I, I want to be, you know, 49% at one point. You yeah. Know? And I told them all, I'm like, you guys, you guys don't realize this, but you're all interviewing every day for who's going to be the phone number on the website. So I was, I'm not going to answer the phone one day. Yeah. You know, it's going to be someone else. Yeah. You know, um, another plan might be opening one up in Westlake. Yeah. You know, um, but w- when I'm ready for that, I'll do it, you know, but. I love, I love helping people. The Greg Glassman says the greatest adaptation to CrossFit, the greatest, you know, and there's a lot of adaptations. Um, some people could do 50 pull-ups in a row. Some people can deadlift twice their body weight. And this isn't just like Olympians. These are just everyday people in my gym. Yeah. Um, the greatest adaptation from CrossFit happens between your ears. Huh. And I tell people when they sign up, write down things that you want in your life to get better. And it could be, I want a six pack, you yeah. know, I want to lower my cholesterol. I want to, you know, da, da, da. but right down, like I want to be a better dad. Yeah. I want to make more money. I so wanna, uh, just to happens. make sure I understand yeah. that saying between your ears means your mindset changes. Is yeah, that right? Absolutely. Okay. It, CrossFit's hard, Yeah, you know, and it never gets easier and you wouldn't want it to. Um, and it's a beautiful thing that I truly believe in, you know, from working out from when I was locked up, I worked out every day. And it changed me because it humbled me and it was hard 
and the road I was on was really, really hard. And when I got to CrossFit, it was kind of epitomized all those struggles in every workout. Cause it's hard. People are on the ground yeah. and you're like, dude, this thing's taking my soul. And yeah. some people don't like it and they don't do it. And some people, uh, love it and they're there every day, yeah. you know? Um, but you don't meet too many douchebag CrossFit athletes because they're all humbled and they all realize it's hard as shit. <laughs> it's hard yeah. As shit. yeah. So, yeah. um, the mindset's really cool and there's yeah. always something to get good at. You know yeah. what I mean? If you're strong, you could always get faster. If you're faster, you could always get stronger. Yeah. So the, the thing that I want to just cut, uh, we're kind of in, in wrap up mode right now, but the thing I want to touch on the, and the reason we wanted to have you on is that our podcast is all about getting going, doing your own thing. Um, and we're going to plug your, your gym and your Instagram in just a sec. But the, what I, what I was impressed with with Greg is coming from this, this challenge and the odds of when you go, when someone goes down that road of not getting anywhere further, it's, it's tough, right? Like you had everything stacked against you, right? You every prison, stacked, yeah. you come out of felon, you have no guidance, you're on your own for, for a lot of people. I think you can feel like, uh, the hill's too hard to climb, right? Or yeah. like, I, I, yeah. don't, I don't, I can't do this. There, everything stacked against me. I think you're a perfect example of that. Anyone can accomplish this. Yeah. And that's what, that's where I was going is we get yeah. DMS, we get emails all the time saying like, I'm in this place, like whether, and I've been there be, being a server or being, but I can't get to this place. So it's pretty impressive that you've come from where you came from and now you're running your own business doing, I mean, do you love what you do? Absolutely. So what could you tell that kid that's like, I can't do this. I'm that's stuck here. What, what would be your advice to them? Parlay. In that, parlay what you got to the next level. So um, you're a server, right? It doesn't mean you don't like your job and you quit and hope that, you know, you find one in the, in the paper the next day. You work your ass off. And you serve everyone like your life depends on it. And you never know the guy that you serve may be like, you know what, kid, you got something in your eye. Why don't you come be, why don't you come sell cars for me? So important. Yeah. I totally agree. You Wherever know what you I'm are, saying? do yeah. a good job. Work hard. No shit. And the other thing is that even if the guy doesn't say, come work for me, if you get the job you want the next day, but you've been slumming it and acting like a shithead and not being a good employee, you can't just wake up the next day and be a good employee. Such a good point. Yeah. It doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And so when I was coaching at other gyms, it wasn't my gym, but I still picked up toilet paper on the floor. I still coached like it was my gym. I still said, this is our gym because when I was an owner, it was easier to, to, to go into that role. Mm -hmm. You can't just one day, you know, I'm an employee and the next day be the owner and put on that mindset. The mind doesn't work that way. Yeah. It takes time. And that would be what I would tell someone like that is act as if, and that sounds super cliche, but be the best damn server you can because you don't know who you're serving. And if you do get that job or that next role, but you haven't been training yourself at that higher level, you're, you're going to miss the, you're going to strike out at bat. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think that was I, so literally, well said. That is like I was I loved being a it's funny. I, I didn't want to be a server forever, but I loved it. And people would come in if we close at ten, they'd come in at nine fifty and everybody in the restaurant would be like, Oh and they would be like rude to the I'm like, You got it, like be good. So now when I go to eat, like I'm the one going out to eat and there's like server, server if they give me the attitude, I literally will like 
tell them to their faces, you suck. Like you need to like stop. Works a savage. You, no, like, you need to. <laughs> hey, I, you could be here for another hour. If you if you're lame, I'll stay here for an hour and a half. And they're like so thrown off. But like, do a good job where you are. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. So let's plug your stuff. So what the where can people find you? Yeah, where can people uh, find you? Instagram? I got a Crosstown CrossFit is okay. our Instagram page. My uh, personal Instagram is Greg Mountain. And, um, just recently through some friends, I've been, uh, I've been writing a lot about this. I've been trying to write about the prison politics. I think it's interesting in itself. It's so <laughs> interesting. Absolutely, yes. I could have done the whole podcast about you being in prison. We, we could yeah. do another one if you want. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, so I'm writing about the prison politics and those unwritten rules. Um, and, uh, yeah, my gym's in more. Where are you, where are you writing those? Are these sort of blog? You going, you want to write a book on it? I'm going to write a book on oh, it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. we'll stay tuned on And that. then your URL for your, uh, gym. Uh, your website. Yeah. It's uh, crosstownathletics.com. Crosstownathletics.com. So okay. we got workouts there every day if you want to do the workouts. You know there we go. Yeah, I know. We, gosh, we talk about this all the time. There man. we go. We, we got to get on program. I, man, I tell every one of my family members, I'm like, there's a CrossFit gym by you. I don't care where you live. There's a CrossFit gym by you. And the owner there is probably just as passionate as I am of help, about helping you. And it'll change your life. I swear to God. Yeah, you know what? I mean, this is a good way to wrap this up, man. I'm going to talk about myself. It's a priority thing, right? Like, I, I just know it about me. I have to put it up on my priority to make myself go and do it, right? And and I think just where I'm at in this stage of, of where these businesses are, that, and, and me being a very addictive personality, it's at the very top of my priority, right? So it's just like I'm so consumed and wrapped up with that. Uh, that I just haven't taken myself away from going, hey, this is important to you and you need to put this at an equal kind of pedestal so that I know once I get there, then I'm all in. I just haven't, yeah. I'm, I haven't got it up there. <laughs> it's an you hour know? It's an hour long class. Wow, man. Is this going to be me committing on on, on fly? My, <laughs> yeah, my, Mikey needs to get in some type of fitness because the skateboarding was it. Like yeah, when it you was. stop being an athlete, it's so hard to like keep doing it. So Yeah, it's true. You'll, yeah. Have, to, you'll have to work on Mikey a little more. All Greg, right, I'll Greg. come see you, Greg. I'll, I'll tell all this is right now. I'm going to come see CrossFit you. Come do CrossFit, and then you can take me surfing. Okay. There we <laughs> it's go. It's a deal. It's a deal. <laughs> all right. So let's wrap it there. Greg, thank you so much for being on. Check out uh, his podcast on iTunes. We're also going to do uh, a little trailer on, on YouTube. So, Greg, thanks for coming on Absolutely. and sharing your story, man. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank you.